episode 52, Catching the Big Fish. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. And welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Great to be with you today. Great to be with you, Jason Jennings, as always. Dale, I heard something on NPR today. Uh, an author was being interviewed by one of the correspondents on NPR, and uh, it was about the uh, the police officer in Ferguson, and it's a big story that's going to appear in The New Yorker. And uh, the author of the article said, I want to thank you for your thoughtful questions. And as I was listening to that, uh, on All Things Considered, I thought, you know what? I never get to tell Dale. I always appreciate your thoughtful questions. So I've wanted to say that for a long time, but I was reminded today because your questions are always great ones and very practical. Well, you are most welcome, and I'm just trying to play the part of all of the listeners out there. So it's it's just a conversation that they're taking part in, and, and I'm trying to, to think like they would think and, and asking those questions. And so I do want to put you on the spot, though, today, because I know in business, I'm always telling my sales team, you've got to talk to the decision maker. You've got to talk to the big fish. Uh, that's the person who you need to be spending time with. And, and as I thought through, you've got eight books out, so it's probably a lot easier for you now. But in the beginning, I want to take you back to starting out as an author. How did you get access to those big names, the Charles Schwabs, the Cokes, the, the Gates of the world, who you have profiled, you've talked to, you talk to hundreds of them every year. But how do you get past the gatekeepers and get to the big fish? You know, that's actually a fascinating question. And uh, let me take uh, this balloon and uh, take a pin and just prick the balloon and, uh, uh, and surprise you with something. The more books I write and the more successful the books have been, and we've had some New York Times bestsellers, in my own mind, Dale, I imagined it would get easier, that I'd be able to get on the telephone and say, this is Jason Jennings, and somebody might actually know who that was. Or they might have read one of my books, and they'd say, oh, yes, we do want to be profiled in one of your books. And truth, it gets harder. It does not get easier, because I think early on, some people just went along with me and agreed to be profiled in my books. And now I think that people realize, geez, people actually read these books. And so the truth is, and it's a sad truth, gaining access uh, has not gotten easier over the years. It's actually gotten harder. And if anybody said to me or asked me, what is the single most challenging and difficult thing that you do? It wouldn't be the research. It, it would not be the writing. It would not be the speaking the most challenging thing I do is gaining access. That being said, we always gain access and hopefully we'll have a few good lessons for people who are trying to uh, to gain access to the decision maker. That's the beautiful thing about the Game Changers, the podcast. You always leave some very real, tangible items that we can do. We can take and put to work today if you're listening to this or first thing tomorrow on the job. So You've got, a, you've got a number of things I know that uh, you're going to share with us on, on how to gain access. Start us out. What is the first thing that you do on your checklist to be sure you're going to get past the gatekeeper? 
Well, I think there are, are seven things that you can do, and you can actually emulate these in any situation, whether you're wanting to get to the decision maker to present something to them, whether you're trying to get to an investor, in my case, whether I'm trying to get to someone to be interviewed. I, I think there are seven steps that you really have to follow. And the first one is this. Uh, and, and it sounds nice, but I'm going to demystify this. I have a worthy purpose that someone will get and understand. And, and, but it's got to be a true value proposition of what's in it for them. It has to be succinct, memorable, and easy to understand. I may have shared this story with you once before, but every time I'm talking about being short and succinct and a value proposition, uh, I recall a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of people with a bright idea for a new app, a new tech company, uh, wanted to come and pitch me, wanted to spend some time with me uh, at following a speech I was doing in Chicago. And so I'm easy. I, I'm willing to meet with anyone because I always learn something. And so we got together in the lobby of the Park Hyatt Hotel in Chicago. And uh, I sat there and I listened to them for two hours. And at the end of two hours, I had no idea what in the Dickens they were talking about, what they were trying to build, how they were going to monetize it. I mean, and I was sitting there going, am I just befuddled or are they speaking a foreign language? So, you know, look, it's easy to tell someone, uh, you know, I am writing a book. The book will be a bestseller. You are going to be included in the book. I would like to write from your record. What's in it for you is you and your company, I mean, will be admired by millions of people around the world. So wh whatever you're trying to do, there has to be a true value proposition of why it's worth their time. Nobody has time, Dale. Nobody has time for anybody or anything. Everybody is constantly besieged with people who want their attention. If you don't have a simple and succinct value proposition that people immediately understand, immediately understand, if it has to be explained, they're not going to get it. And if it has to be explained, you're not going to gain admittance or entrance. So, I mean, what are you trying to achieve? What's in it for them? Succinct, memorable, and easy to understand. Next is the most important rule of being in business. And I have no idea where I learned this one, if it was a mentor, or if I figured it out on my own. But at some point, I said to myself, Nobody is ever going to say no to me who doesn't have the ability to say yes. And so never take a no from someone who doesn't have the ability to say yes. So why would you be pitching the assistant to the assistant executive director of the assistant publicity manager and communications manager of a company? Because they can say no, but they don't have the ability to say yes. So you have to start as close to the top as possible. That's rule number two. Rule number three, you've got to find out who the players are. I mean, you know, there's no problem calling a company and saying, oh, you know, your CEO is Brad Wilson, and I forget the name of his administrative assistant. It's what? Oh, well, that's Frida Thompson. Ah, that's right. Thank you very much. No, 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 no. You don't have to connect me. That's fine. I mean, do a little detective work and figure out who the players are. And the next thing is, is part of the same uh, number is figure out the email address thing. You know, it doesn't take very, very much. I don't know if I want to give this one away or not, but I will. 
you can go to any publicly traded company and go to investor relations and go to press releases and read in the press releases. And in all the press releases, they'll tell you who to contact for further information. And that might be G. Williamson at such and such a company dot com. Well, you've just cracked the email code for that company. And so then you figure out the CEO's first name, middle initial, which is public information and last name. And there's really only about four or five variations. This one has absolutely never failed me. And when you want to send somebody an email, you send it to one name and then in the CC line to the three or four possible variations. And Microsoft is going to say four of those were undeliverable. Well, good. One of them was. So I now know what the email address is. And immediately I begin CCing the CEO or the top dog, the big fish on every email that I'm having with an underling. So, Jason, let me let me stop you right there. A lot of people will say, I'm not going to send an email to an executive or to the big fish because they'll never see it. Their their secretary will intercept it, and they'll never, ever respond to me. So why even start now? So I have a feeling you've got a, a lot of examples where you sent the email in and you did get a response. Uh, yes, uh, that is the case. And I never send it to the person in charge. I never send it to the CEO. I may be communicating with his or her assistant, I am just CCing them to keep them in the information loop. And uh, most CEOs, most uh, top persons' uh, emails are sufficiently protected uh, that they do read every email that they get. So if you can crack the code and figure out the code, take it to the bank. They will be aware of the email loop that you've got going with their assistant or someone close to them. All right. So that takes us to the next point. What is it, Jason? Well, the next one is you must of necessity prove your worthiness. What in the world is your point of difference? You've got a good idea, that, so what? I mean, they get approached by somebody having a big idea a thousand times a day. What makes you worthy of having them spend some time with you? And um, I try to go through life, Dale, being, um, being very modest. But on this one, I'm not going to be. I never, never, never give up, simply never. I will go to whatever extreme I need to go to get to the attention of the person at the top of the organization and prove my worthiness. I'm reminded of a story of an early mentor of mine who passed away a number of years ago, but when I was in my 20s, he taught me many valuable lessons. And he had come out of the uh, World War II, and he'd gone to work for Corning Glass, and he was uh, based in Minnesota. And uh, his job was to call on lumber yards all across Minnesota. And uh, he said there was one guy at one particular lumber yard, and the guy would never look at him. He'd gain admittance to the guy's office. The guy'd say, yes, what's your pitch, son? And he'd be looking down and signing checks and signing memos and never look him in the eye. And then he dismissed him about five minutes later, saying, uh, no, I don't think so, not today, son. Well, as my mentor Harvey Borlaug told me, one night there was a big snowstorm, and he got caught in a roadhouse, uh, i.e., another word for a bar, outside of this little town in uh, Minnesota, and playing pool and uh, drinking, I'm sure, uh, a number of beers and camping in the middle of the snowstorm at the roadhouse floor. And the next morning when uh, light came and the town had gotten cleaned up, 
he thought, and he, as he tells the story, he said, I was probably half in the bag. He said, I decided to go and see that guy. And he said, so I drove up to his lumber yard. I pulled in front where everybody was still plowing snowbanks. He said, I knew he'd be there. And he said, as I walked through, he said, I, I grabbed a big ball peen hammer. And he said, then I reached into a bin and I grabbed a big spike and I took out my business card. And he said, I walked to his office and sure enough, he was sitting there. He was glancing down, working at papers on his desk. He said, I took my business card. I took the spike. I took the ball peen hammer. I drove my business card right through the top of his desk. And he said, I'm Harvey Borlaug of Corning Glass. And you'll probably never want to see me again. But you looked up and you looked me in the eye for once. Have a good day. And the guy looked at him and predictably said, Son, I'll tell you what, let's go and have a bite of breakfast. You must never, never, never give up. It's not showing up that gets the job done. It's never giving up. I remember for one of my books, Dale, there was the CEO of one of the two biggest carpet and floor covering companies in America. And I could not get to this guy. His secretary, Gay, would actually hang up on me when I called. I just, I, I couldn't get to him. I mean, I pleaded, I questioned, I threatened, I cajoled. I did every single thing I could do. And finally, I thought to myself, who's his biggest customer? And I figured out who his biggest customer was uh, in America spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And I called this guy and I said, look, I'm trying to get, I mean, to Jeffrey. Can you help me get to him? He said, I know who you are. He said, I know your books. He said, I'll call Jeffrey. And the next morning at seven o'clock in my home office, the phone rang. I picked it up. And the guy said, this is Jeffrey Loverbaum of Mohawk Industries. He said, are you never going to give up? And I said, never, not in a million years. He said, well, get your butt on an airplane. I'll give you tomorrow. You see, everybody is just too willing to give up. Come on. I mean, have some intestinal fortitude. Put some starch in your spine. Never, never, never give up. Next, when you gain access, I mean, skip a script and shut up and listen. Stop selling and start listening. Dale, without risk of exaggeration, for my books, when I'm with a CEO spending a whole day with a CEO, I will walk in and I'll say, I've got two questions to ask you today. Uh, question number one is tell me your story. Question number two is tell me the story of your company. And all I'm going to do is interrupt you with, uh-huh, what happened next? Uh-huh, and then what happened? Stop selling, stop talking, shut up and listen and be interested. And so I hope those are helpful, but that's the way I've gained access to every single CEO and company that I've wanted to gain access to for the writing in my books. And with the exception of two, and uh, of the two I never gained access to, uh, there was a good reason for it. Uh, fate was smiling kindly on me because um, both of them had serious financial missteps, and I would have been embarrassed if I'd included them in a book. Jason, that's a great list to get us into The Decision Maker. And we're going to wrap things up because we're out of time today. The book is The High Speed Company. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. The author, Jason Jennings. This is the podcast that is dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. If you enjoyed today, would you give us a rating on iTunes and also write a review? That helps get us more exposure for folks who are looking for this kind of content. We'd appreciate that. Jason, we'll talk to you again next week. 
we'll talk next week. And please pass along this podcast to a friend, an associate, a colleague to whom it might be helpful. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.